Hey, good morning and welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I'm Ken Walls and I'm your host. And today, ladies and gentlemen, do I have a special guest for you. I want you to stop everything you're doing and share this out. Please share this out right now because the entire world needs to hear this story. I have the one and only Gene McGuire on. And Gene is a guy who spent nearly almost 35 years in prison for murder that he did not commit. A crime he did not commit. He served 35 years in prison. And we're going to hear his story. And I want you to share this out because this guy, when you wait till you meet him, he's humble, he's grateful. He's an amazing human being, and I want you to share this out so we can get everybody in the world to hear his message. So stay with us. I'll be right back with the one and only Gene McGuire. And we're back. Let me bring Gene on. Gene, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ken. I am like so excited about this. This is this is awesome. I I um I'm excited too, man. Like I feel like Oprah right now or something. I don't know. I feel like okay. And so I just can't wait to hear the whole story. Um, I I know you have a book. I've not I've not read your book yet. I already told you it might be a minute before I yeah. do, but, but like Gene, I'm, I, I, um, I met you at babe's chicken house. Is that what it's called? Babe's chicken house, right? Babe's chicken dinner house. Yes. I knew that. I knew yeah, that. I've only that. eaten there like 30 times. Um, but we just moved here and to Texas in, in November and, um, and I was introduced to babes and I'm like, Okay, I'm pretty good. I'm pr I'm convinced they're putting crack or something in the food. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> I can't stop. I'll tell you, ah, man, you're you're not kidding. It's if so I good. worked there, man, I'd be like anyway. So, um, so you you are the um the pastor the what's it, the chaplain for yeah, yes, I'm one of three chaplains. Okay. We have a Spanish speaking okay. chaplain, and we have. Uh, Chris Bear is the guy that introduced me to Paul um, about over like 10 years ago. And um, we partner in, in uh, serving uh, the family, the customers and the employees and the vendors. So it's, it's amazing. Incredible. So, so I was there, I think my very first visit to babes and there's this book, your book. Um <laughs> <laughs> Look, Joe, Joe Ingram, my buddy. Joe, no, hey, Joe. It's definitely not no, vegan. It's not vegan. <laughs> but it's good. Oh my yeah. it's seriously like if you come to Dallas, you need to go to Babes. It's just that it's unbelievable. Like it's yeah. it, it needs to be a staple of Dallas. Um, but so I see this book on the counter 
And I didn't buy it at the time, and I should have, but I didn't. Um, but the manager came over. I said, I have um, I said, I have a podcast I'd like to interview this this guy on. It, it looks like an interesting story. And um, and I don't I think he gave me a card or something, and I'm like, you know, normally people reach out to me, but okay, I'll 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 reach out to him. And Thank I you. never got around to it. We're at Babe's, I don't know, a month and a half ago. And all of us, me and Glenn Morshower and Jill, my wife, who's on here right now. Um, so all of these people were all there. We're leaving. And I think something happened where you recognized Glenn or 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 something. I don't what how did that even go down where we were talking to you? Uh Diane? Jack. Well, uh yeah, Diane and but the her her husband, uh I he told me his name was Jack, but so I, I signed a book. I gave, I, I went and got a book out of my car and I signed it to him. And I thought we had a little conversation, like about 10 minutes. And, and I say, I, I want to give this guy my book. And, and then I signed it, Jack. And I find out his real name is Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> he told, he told me his name was Jack, man. So it's so funny. So it I walked starts out. with a J. That's close enough. <laughs> no, I, I I went and I I looked for him, and they you guys were just leaving, and I caught up with you in the in the kind of the courtroom there, court area outside, yeah. and, and that's where we all met. Nonetheless, I said, "Oh my gosh, I need to have you on my show," and you, you kind did. of step back a little bit. You're like, "What's wrong with you, you nut job?" And and, and I, I did just because I was like, "Wait a minute, this is the guy that wrote the book that I was it." It just all clicked for me. It didn't click for you at the moment. So you probably no, because, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> but so, so, so welcome to the show. I'm glad you're here. Um, talk a little bit, you know, I like to start with um, telling everybody where you were born and raised. I was born and raised in New Jersey, Tom's River area. Um, okay. And um, loved it. Loved Seaside Heights. Loved the. The bay and love that whole atmosphere down there. Uh, the roads were still dirt, you know. And anyway, uh, so I lived down there. And around 71, 72, we moved to Pennsylvania to a farm uh, where uh, my mom remarried a farmer. And who, wow. and so he was a farmer. I grew up on a farm um, for the next, you know, six, six years or so. Wow. Went to high school and, you know, up until my sophomore year. Was that like Eastern PA, Western uh, yeah, PA? Northeast, yeah, Northeast oh, Pennsylvania, okay. a okay. small town called Falls, Pennsylvania. Okay. Uh, everybody's like, where's that at, you know? And yeah. I, say, I say Scranton and they say, oh, from the show. I'm like, well, you, at least you, you know, there's something there on the map. Scranton. Right, <laughs> right. So, so you, you grew up in, in small town farming community. Um, I did, I, I can relate to that in Ohio as kind of the same, same area. Um, you went to school there, elementary, middle school, high school. Yeah. Went to, uh, oh, I, when I moved, I was like sixth grade or so. And so grew up, uh, playing, playing sports and and just building friendships and just loved it, loved that little community. And um, did you graduate high school? No, uh, 
finished uh, my sophomore year uh, before okay. before uh, the crime. Yeah. And then, um, so so talk about. So I don't even need to ask you the question I ask everybody else: Is did you go to college? Um, <laughs> at least at that time. Um, but what, what, um, talk about what happened because your life shifted, um, significantly, uh, in your late teens, I believe. Right. How old were you? 17. I just turned 17. Uh, was, uh, you know, just had a cousin, favorite cousin. Everybody has that favorite cousin that, you know, that, that takes care of all the younger and he was 24 and he came to my house for the weekend or for the week. And, uh, so hanging out, hanging out there and, and, uh, one night, uh, drinking, uh, playing cards at the table, parents went to bed. So drinking alcohol was an acceptable behavior in my family. Good times. We drank bad times. So it was just something, but I was an athlete. So I kind of felt kind of like, well, I can, I, I like to drink. I like to get, you know, drunk, but I was an athlete too. So I was kind of torn, but I was out drinking and, and my cousin decided he wanted to go shoot some pool uh, that night. It was like 11 o'clock, 1130 at night. And um, the conversation with an older stepbrother too, uh, who drove us there. And so the conversation was like, Hey, let's go shoot some pool. Hey, I'm going. And then my, my mother yells from the other room. No, you're too young. You can't go. Um, Eugene, you have to stay. You can't go. And so I, I leaned into my, my cousin, who was our favorite cousin, my mom's favorite nephew, and yeah. this guy would do anything in the world for our family. And I said, sweet, you know, sweet talk my mom. And, and so we did. And out the door we went. You know, he's I, I got him. My Aunt Mary, he's with me. We'll be back in a little while. Should, uh, so, well, about 20, 20 <clears throat> excuse me, 20 minutes at this little lakeside tavern uh, in Lake Winola, my cousin decides that he's going to rob the bar. And little did I know your, fav- and- your favorite cousin. Yeah. Uh, wow. Little did I know that there was a, a backstory to it, which so I knew I wasn't going to do it. And my stepbrother, we that wasn't what we would do or even think yeah. of. Um, he was from New Jersey. Here we are in Pennsylvania. And then so we leave and he's going to come back in and rob the bar. And in my mind, I'm thinking he's going to come out with some money, you know, like kind of the movies, you know and a bag of money and let's go let's go and it didn't go down that way and so we waited for him a minute or two went to look for him and he had murdered the uh, bartender owner and uh you know i was it was it was it was horrible uh he had no right to take a life and you know i i had no right to um manipulate my way and i i was 17 i had no right to be at a bar drinking and um so afterwards uh took off with my cousin to uh new york and i knew i was in trouble i mean i i knew i knew when sobered up you know you're like i knew i was in trouble and and i just thought about run and run 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 and and i ran with my cousin well he all he did was use the money that he found and he shoot, shot drugs and he bought heroin and shot drugs up in shooting galleries up in spanish harlem so I was like lost in the sauce and I decided to turn myself in. I was arrested and charged. My cousin ran for another 10 days and then he turned himself in. He took the case and said it was his idea and that I was alone for the ride. But, um, you know, I, I, I always, you know, regret is 
you know, you can't really do a whole lot, but, but I wish that I had a backbone to say no. And that's like, you know, wherever I speak and especially the young kids, I wish I had a backbone um, to have said no or just leave and, you know, not be part of that. You know, I might not have been able to stop him, but I, so I didn't either, but I, wow. so, so I turned myself so, in, I was arrested and charged for, with murder. So uh, l- let me, like you said, you went back in to find your cousin. What was he doing? Like was, had he well, already committed the crime? He, yeah, well, he was in the middle. So he went in and, and I was waiting for, we were waiting for him to come out and, and like a minute or two, um, we heard some banging as we approached the front door, opened the front door and he, he had s- stabbed the owner behind a counter and behind a bar, oh, uh, killed the, killed the owner. I remember yelling oh. stop and, and, uh, but he didn't, he just like, he went crazy and, oh uh, my God. so, wow. Uh, yeah. So, so how long, how long were you on the run? I was, I was, uh, on the run for a day and a half or so. Oh yeah. I, so you went back and turned. Yeah. I, we were up in New York and we were sleeping in these sleazy hotels and I'm like, I, you know, I, I should be at school or something. You know, I, I just, I knew I messed up and I'm, you know, more than that. It was just bad, bad choice, bad decision. And a life was taken and uh that's the you know the major thing here was uh, life was taken um and i turned myself in and i was arrested and charged uh, by the state police and um placed in a juvenile center and about 10 days later my cousin uh decided he was going to turn himself in and so he turned himself in and they kept us separated obviously uh throughout the the process i was given a public defender and the public defender, like 90 days into my arrest, he recommended that I plead guilty to murder, that I could be out in 10, 12 years on good behavior. And so I'm thinking, I can't imagine being 21, let alone 27. But I felt so bad. I really did feel guilty. I, I remember writing letters home, my mom and friends, high school friends. You know, I had like 40 high school friends come to visit me at the uh, juvenile center there in Luzerne wow. County. And they, you know, they said, Gene, you, we can't let them in. There's too many friends you have from high school. And I just, you know, I just, man, I was like, man. So wow. I was very, very remorseful. And um, I, I felt so bad, but um, I just. So, so they, they arrested you. They charged you with a murder. They charged me is- with, yeah, an open charge of murder and robbery, wow. forced a robbery and, and some other crimes, conspiracy. Wow. Um, so here you are in this juvenile center at 17 years old. Did they try you as an adult? Yes. Yeah. They certified in the process. They certified me as adult because of the seriousness and then, uh, went to court. I entered a plea guilty, um, 90 days, three months in, and then I waited six months, uh, for sentencing. And when I was there the day before my 18th birthday, I was sentenced to life without the possibility of parole in my mind. I'm still thinking I'm going to do 10 years, you know, and then the rude awakening the next day, they took me to the state prison in Camp Hill, Pennsylvania. It's a kind of youthful adult, youthful, um, on your birthday. 
Yeah, the day. Yeah, my March March 9th. Yeah, and uh, I, in my book, I I I, I remember telling um, how I, I went in and they asked me what my birthday was, and I told March 9th, 1960, and they they the lady looked up from the medical department, you know, the processing in, and the lady looked up and said, "Happy birthday." And I thought, oh. wow, you know, um, wow. So yeah, I started my, um, my state correctional institution, um, on my 18th birthday. Good Lord, dude. Wow. Yeah, it was so, so ha uh, uh, 18 years old. Um, you had to, I mean, that, that's gotta, that's gotta be terrifying. It, it was, you know, and I, you put on this facade that, um, you know, you're kind of tough. You're no one's going to mess with you. You hear all the stories as I was going through juvenile, the nine months in juvie center, I heard stories about juvenile centers. <laughs> they were like, I was like, Oh my goodness. You know, the rapes and the, the beat, the beat downs yeah. and the gangs and all those things. And, and I was like, okay, so just kind of, you, you kind of check out a little bit too, you know, you numb yourself and you just kind of avoid um, the reality of that. But when I got to the prison, you know, it, it is all true. And uh, um, wow. you have to, you have to fight. You get, you, you fight or you take advantage of. So it wasn't wow. long before I got in my first fights, you know, and, and uh, which I'm glad, I'm glad because it, I established myself pretty early there. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. I had so a you guy. won the fights. <laughs> well, not all that. My first fight, I had a guy call me gorgeous. He blew some kisses at me and he, you know, I, I had, you know, I, I couldn't, I like still, it's hard to shave. I don't like, I don't know. Um, but I still try to shave and get a nice beard. I can't, but so I, uh, I was kind of like, Oh, he must be, I was like, he must be t referring to someone else or, and he, he did it a couple of times. I kind of ignored it. And then finally he approached me you know, real close. And he said it and I just slugged him. I just punched him and I said, it's on, you know? And so his buddies came and they, they ganged up on me. They beat me down a little bit. And so but I walked away from it. I had some cuts and I had a fracture. I had a fractured jaw. I had, I had two big gashes in my head where he, they hit me uh, with uh, something, uh, something on a, a lock you, on a, you, Dude, you say that so nonchalantly. I, I don't know if you realize that, but I've had a broken jaw and it hurts, man. I yeah. mean, it really, really smart. Well, I, yeah, it was a fracture because I, when I was getting my head stitched up at the medical department, um, I, I kept biting down. I kept hearing this crunch and I was like, mm, maybe, maybe they need to take a look. So they x-rayed and they say, you have a hairline fracture and so but they wow. they stitched me up they they brought me back from the hospital and they put me in a hole they i was in solitary confinement for a month for for punching the guy because they saw me punch him and they asked me what did he say to you and i said he didn't say anything to me because i wasn't good i wasn't gonna tell i wasn't gonna be a rat and uh because i have to live there right and i knew right. you know rule number one don't tell don't get in people's business so i was like no, and the, and the security people are like, so you just punch people. I was like, yeah, I just, I. So he said, we're gonna, we we know he says something to you. We know he's putting pressure on you. What did you know? And I was like, he he didn't he he did nothing wrong. I punched him. So, wow. I did I did 
30 days in solitary. And uh, when I got out, I was in the yard and his buddies come approaching me. So I stood up again. I was in the grass, sitting in the grass and hanging out with some guys. And I saw these guys approach me and I stood up ready to, you know, ready to go at it again. And they shook my hand and they said, he said, you're a cool white boy. We won't have no problems again. So from that point on, um, I just, you know, I had fights, but it wasn't, it wasn't of sexual nature or pressure. It was just over some stupid stuff. Wow. Territorial. Holy mackerel, dude. I, I'm saying, I'm like, I just can't even, I'm, I'm I, like, one of my favorite movies is Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. Right. So I'm yeah. Like, I'm picturing you and it, like, it's just unbelievable what, what, yeah. what you're talking about, man. It, it feels like you're telling me the script to a movie. It's unbelievable. So, yeah. so, so how was, I mean, gosh, you're 18 years old. You're, you, you're like, I almost want to say your childhood, your late childhood, early yeah. adulthood was ripped right out of, you know, from your grips, where did things go from there? I mean, you established yourself. You said you, you, yeah. um, where yeah. did, where, where well, did you, it go from there? You know, the greatest mysteries, I guess, is the life inside a prison. Uh, you know, television embellishes it. Some of it's true. A lot of it is embellished, but so, you know, there's, there's a routine there's, it's secured, you know, school, they, it's mandatory school, a job, oh, okay. you know, finding a, finding work. There's everything from working in the kitchen to laundry, to, um, carpentry, to plumbing, you know, uh, yeah. so there's some office jobs, uh, clerical stuff like that. So, um, I get in, I, I start working and, um, go to programs. I, uh, joined AANA trying to figure out like why was I drinking so much or so often I uh, went to stress and anger prison adjustment groups I sat with psychologists trying to figure out how um, all, all my friends went on to college and played football and ran track or you know and yeah. here I am and I made the choices I made and I just trying to figure things out and in about six years you know here it is yeah you know, six years later I yeah. like it, it gets old, you know, it's like, oh man, this thing is old. You get depressed or you get mad, you get angry. And, yeah. and, and I kind of like push my family away. I push people away and, and I started looking for something to mask the pain and shame and guilt. And I found it and I made homemade wine, you know, and I, I get some yeast from the kitchen and get a, um, some potatoes. So you need is a bucket and some sugar and, and off you go. And three days later you have some, some rock gut wine that gets you good and drunk. So oh we did that. God. So we were doing that. Um, wasn't every day. It wasn't every week, but we'd do that. And then with that came along with some weed, smoking some weed and some hash and then some um, pills. How do you get that in prison? Through visits. Uh, had some friends uh, who were getting visits and uh, they had friends bringing uh, the drugs in uh, from anything wow. from prescription meds like Valiums and painkillers. And so we would do a couple painkillers, a couple of Valiums and get high and hang out in the yard. And and then it turned to me, for me, it turned to Coke and, and meth and to a needle. And then I started um, shooting meth, which um, in I, prison. 
Yeah. I'd buy this. I'd buy the syringe from the, from the hospital. I'd get it from one of the orderlies and, and, you know, they'd steal it. And so, but I, I just yeah. chasing a greater high, you know, um, yeah. trying to find a, a better way, a quicker way to mask, you know, and and in and I don't I don't even know if you know this, but I have 21 years sober, so I, I've been sober a long awesome. time yeah, by awesome. the grace of God. But so I can relate to a lot of what I I always called it trying to fill the God hole, <laughs> like yeah, the, well, that's right, it. Yeah. yeah. But but so you're so you're like 24, 25 at this point. You said six years later, and and and. Dude, you're you've got to be thinking. I'm in here forever till the end of my life. Like that's what the judge said, right? Like yes. you're there forever. Yeah. How do you wake up at any given point in that journey and feel any sense of hope? There, there is one. So when I got there, real quick, I, I, you know, I met other guys that are doing life, and they're like, "Young Buck, how much time are you doing?" And I was like, "I'm, I." doing life by getting out 10. They said, you're getting out. There's no parole eligibility for lifers in Pennsylvania. And I was like, well, they said, your attorney lied to you. So I called the attorney and I, and he gave me a reason why not to, he told me I'd get more time if I appealed. So I, in defeat, I hung up the phone and, and went back to my cell. There's one Avenue. It's called commutation with the board of pardons and the governor. It's a plea of mercy. It's not a legal matter. It's a plea of mercy. It's based on merit. So you have to earn your way over the years and, you know, through education, rehabilitation programs, remorse, uh, where you go when you get out, your support, and you file these commutation petitions and right. they, you know, they, they vote on them and it's a political scene. It's a very political. And that was the only hope for me, but it was hope, you know, it was, it was like a light and um, that's what I started to work for um, in, in part, you know, uh, it took me a couple of years to get real serious, but and, and meeting the Lord along the way some years later that a couple of years later that really changed the course of my life. So, um, yeah, when I had uh, about a, about nine years in nine, I had nine and a half years in and the, the person who was bringing the drugs in each week got a random search out in the visiting house and and uh they got busted arrested so there was nothing in the institution and i remember for like two three weeks just like man i wish i can get high and you know people were asking me hey you got any weed hey you got any pill i was like no there's nothing so at the same time uh, i was invited to a program so they called the program at the church and it was called prison invasion uh 86 that was the poster that was posted up on the the bulletin board at the the cell block prison invasion and it had pictures of worship teams and team challenge i remember and pastors and speakers and uh i was invited to come over on a friday saturday and sunday morning friday night saturday but here what was interesting was there was about 30 or 40 churches in the harrisburg area in the camp hill area had been praying for months and months organizing this revival type invasion in the prison and so they had permission wow. 100 men had permission to come in they wore the tether you know wristband and they were allowed to come into prison cell blocks the kitchen they were allowed to sit down with us they were allowed in their yard they were allowed to you know what? shoot some hoops 
and they were just sharing their testimonies. Like little, this guy come up to me and said, hey, I was alcoholic and Jesus set me free and I don't drink no more. And I was like, okay, that's cool. And then later I'd see him. He said, Hey, uh, my name is Bill. And, and I was an alcoholic and, uh, I accepted Christ as my savior and I don't drink no more. And I was like, well, why are you telling me, you know what? There's other guys, there's 2,700 inmates in here. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. Like a laser beam on me, but that's what I needed to hear. Right. And he invited me over. So he said, come on over. So I went over on Friday night and as I was sitting there, I mean, it was unbelievable. I mean, like you talk about movie scene, you walk into this prison chapel that fits like 250 guys packed, but there was like over 300 and it was wall to wall. And so I walk wow. in and it was a big gauntlet of men shaking hands, patting your back, welcoming and say, hey, Jesus loves you. We love you. We care about you. I never had another man tell me that they love me like, you know, in that way, you know, my dad, he abdicated his responsibility. And I was like five, six, he left divorce. Wow. So I just, it was, it was, it was strange to hear another man say, Hey, I love you, you know? And, um, yeah. but so I went and grabbed the seat and I sat down. I felt like a fish out of water, you know, I was like, man, but something drew me there and I heard the gospel and it was really clear that Jesus died on the cross, according to the scriptures, buried, he rose again three days later, according to the scriptures, he ascended into heaven. He's sent us the Holy Spirit to live a powerful life on earth, yeah. to be a witness of what yeah. he did and um, to overcome things. And so I was like, mm, you know, did he do it for me? And he said, the pastor said, real men make commitments, real men make commitments. And that's when it was like, man, he's talking right to me because I kind of ducking behind people's heads. <laughs> Because I'm a pastor, yeah. And uh, so I don't make a commitment. I go back Saturday night, hear the same message, the gospel. Yeah. And now it's like really impacting me, hands sweating, stomach churning, kind of getting nervous. And and he said, real men make commitments. Well, that night I I didn't make commitment, but there was a time of fellowship uh, where we were stuck. I said uh, we were stuck in this prison chapel for an extra <laughs> 20 minutes or so because the officers weren't ready to cover the walks for you to escort back to your cell. So we're kind right. of stuck in here with all the, and these guys were coming up to me and asking me, Hey, are you a Christian? Hey, do you know Jesus? And each time I said, no, you know, I, I am not. And so anyway, I, I was kind of avoiding eye contact and, and this guy comes up behind me and says, have you made a commitment tonight? And I was like, man, now they're sneaking up on me. And so I said, no, <laughs> And I'm looking at this guy and I said, are you a Christian? He said, yeah, I'm a Christian. I said, how long have you known Jesus? He said, since I was four years old. He was from the outside community. You know, he had the civilian clothing on. He had the tether yeah. and the, the name bag and name badge. And I said, do you know Jesus since four? He said, yeah, five. Uh, I knew God called me to be a missionary. And it just wow. blew me away. I was like, I'm not where I'm supposed to be. When I heard that, I just like, you know, I'm, I'm not where I'm supposed to be. I don't know where I'm supposed to be, but I'm no getting high and putting a knee on my arm and, you know, smoking and joking and fighting and stealing and all the other stuff that comes along with the, with the lifestyle of drugs and hustling and lying, sneaking around. And, and so yeah. he gives me his card. He said, my name is Larry Titus. He's a pastor at Christ Community Church there in, in Camp Hill, right down the road. And he said, if you need anything, give me a call. So he leaves, I leave and I don't get say I you know I don't make I go back Sunday morning and when I heard the gospel 
that Jesus died, I was like, he did for me. He, he died for me, for wow. my sins. And wow, man, I was like, I was emotional. I was, I was like broken. And I went up front and I didn't care about anything. I just needed to follow through. And I had no idea like where I was going or what, but I went up front <laughs> to the altar and I just prayed this center prayer. I just asked Christ into my life. I said, I want you to be the Lord, my savior and forgive me for my sins. And he did. And I mean, wow. I felt free. I felt like chains broke off me and, and I go wow. back to my cell and I'm reading my Bible all day, all day up until like midnight, my eyes are burning. And as I was reading, I knew God loved me. I knew God forgave me. And um, I mean, I was just like, just spent the next couple of days apologizing to people who I cussed out or just, you know, mistreated. And for the next couple of days, I knew God forgave me. And, and I remember just, I remember like getting on my knees, like, you know, I, I even said, you know, to the victim and I, I know, I know she was, she's, she's, she's not here, but I, I even apologized to her and, and, uh, and I started making phone calls to my family and I just, you know, I knew God forgave me and I just asked everybody to forgive me and it just changed, changed my life. And I just wow. became a student of the word and I contacted this guy, Larry Titus, and he, so he would come in on Mondays and whenever he taught his church on Sundays, he would come in uh, on a Monday um, once a week or once a month. And he would just share those things with me. And, and I just started discipleship 101. So whatever he taught me, I would like really get it down to my heart. I'd memorize it, I'd practice it. And then I would teach other men and little, you know, I was developing a ministry while I was in prison. Uh, I'm, I, I'm, blown away right now um so did you ever make wine again no (laughs) no i tell you what i I would not drink i would not drink that wine today if it's the only thing it's it's harsh i can't even imagine (laughs) he'll get drunk but it's harsh Hey, you want to come over and have some potato wine? <laughs> it's like, yeah, like vodka or something, you know. It's like, oh, oh. I just, oh, so, <laughs> so, so, um, wow, man, I'm, I'm blown away. So, so you, you accepted Christ into your life, and how long, how long had you been in when, when this all happened? Nine and a half years. So it was in cool. 1986. Late, wow. late the end, December 86. Yeah. So. I was 20. Yeah. And 20. Things, things started changing for you though. Yeah. I, the way, you know, mainly the way I started treating people differently. Okay. I noticed right away. And I mean, I, the people I could not stand, I was actually walking up to them and talking to them. <laughs> they were like, they're like, yeah, your eyes are right now. That's how there was like, Gene never talks to me. And I'm like speaking to him. I'm polite. I'm curt. You know, wow. wow. It's just, you know, the love of God was just like for real, you know? And so yeah. the way I treated people in the, in, so in the way, the way I acted, you know, I was, I stopped hurting myself um, by using, I, I just 
had no desire to get high. And my friends would like look at me. They're like, what happened to you? You know, did you get brainwashed? I said, all I know is I accepted the Lord as my savior and I'm born again. Wow. So, dude. So yeah. did you start like a ministry in prison or what? Well, what happened? I, I, I never intended, I never intended to, you know, just by reading the word and practicing the word and you sharing it with other people. Um, men, I, I said this last month at a, at, I was speaking to um, a group of rehab guys and I said, men are looking for the genuine. And if you can be genuine, I don't care where you're at. People will listen to you if you're authentic and genuine. And so I, I just felt like, you know, um, there were two things that I want to be. I want to be authentic and I want to be genuine. And so I would just, you know, study the Bible. And if I learned something, I'd share it with someone else. And then those guys would bring somebody else. And then next thing, like, hey, Gene, let's get together on the picnic table. We want you to do a Bible study for us. And so that was yeah. like every day and every week. And so but I just, weren't there, weren't there people, I mean, you're in prison. There's, there had to be people in there that weren't buying it. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, but they can't argue with something that's genuine and, and authentic. And, and I would tell these guys, I said, if, you know, you have to be authentic and or else you're going to get mocked. You're going to get ridiculed. You're going to get, you're going to get beat up. Yeah. Well, you, yeah, you get, you could get slid or something because uh, Pete, you know, there, but you, you will anyway, but not in the general way. You know, uh, I remember being, I remember getting surrounded by a group of guys because they didn't like what I had to say at a Bible study and they, they, they surrounded me. I thought they were going to pummel me, you know, and um, I said, Hey, you know, I'm just speaking the truth of the word. So, and it was, it was, wow. but wow. Okay. So, so that happened at nine and a half years in. Yes. Um, you spent a lot more time in prison right. than nine and a half years. Uh, yeah, when I had 11, I filed my first commutation petition and you know, fill out the petition, you get your letters, support recommendations, home plans, jobs, and you submit it. And, and I got turned down and 11 years. And I remember went back to my cell and I remember the, the, really the Holy spirit reminded me of a scripture that I read in Thessalonians says, give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you, concerning us. So giving thanks for the circumstance, I got denied. But the, the the bigger picture is God's sovereign and God has my life. And every morning wow. I would get up in the morning and I say, God, I want to do your will more than I want to do mine. And I want to be like Jesus. So that was really the, the gist of my prayer and my heart, you know, and every morning that was the focus. I want to do your will, God. So I literally said, thank you. And when I said, thank you, two things happened that I can really you know, share is that a very concrete, I felt like God drew close to me because he, he loves a grateful heart. Um, and the other yeah. thing, it broke any self pity or feeling sorry for myself that I got turned down. Woe was me. Cause I already said, thank you for turning me down because God, I know you got something better for me. There's something going on. Maybe the timing is wrong or whatever, you know, and Larry, Larry Titus was a major, major mentor for me. Um, and uh, some of the gold nuggets he dropped along the way for me that I was able to pick up and carry and 
and uh, and like I said, whatever I learned from him, I was able to share with other people. So I got turned down at eleven. I got turned down at twelve years, um, and I would literally go back to my cell and I would worship the Lord, and, and it was just something that I it it became a lifestyle. And I would tell other guys, I'd say, listen, you know, guys are doing five to ten, you you know, and, and they get turned down at five years, and they're they have to wait, you know, six months. And I say, you better hurry up and say God, thank you. He said, no, I'm not saying. I said, okay, you know. And it's it's gonna it's it's not gonna go well with you for your soul if you're not gonna draw close to the Lord. So that was my my thing. I'm going to uh, try to be as, and I'm not saying it was easy all the time. It yeah. wasn't, you know. Um, I, it can't be, and there had to be people questioning your sanity. <laughs> <laughs> some of my, some what of my is friends, wrong with you, dude? Yeah, some of my friends were like, hey, you know, you're crazy. Man, you're crazy. I'm not saying thank you. I, I got turned down. I'm not saying thank you. I'm mad. You know, my wife yeah. is waiting. My mother's waiting. My brother, my son, you know, whatever. So I said, hey, you know, well. And wow. uh, um, so, it, you know, I went through prison riots. We went through some serious prison riots. Uh, you know, life still goes on in a prison there's chaos, confusion, there's fights, there's killings, there's there's officers, they get beat and hurt, seriously hurt. Um, wow. You know, we, we develop friendships, relationships with, you know, my friend Orlando, he's in Philly, he's, he did 24 years, he's out, he's doing exceptionally well. You know, and we we would cry together over death of moms and, um, wow. you know, his, it's just, the things that go on in a prison, you know, when you develop relationships and friendships, you know, we, we build friendships on today, you know, not yeah. on what, who we were, what we did, but on, right. you know, we're working together, we're struggling, we're doing the same thing. And so you build some good close friendships and relationships and, you know, tragedies happen, bad things happen, good things happen, you know? So along the way, we, we live our lives, you know, the best wow. you can. And, uh, so, uh, at 17, I got turned down, uh, and waited some more. So, you know, some of the things that really helped me along the way was, you know, I, I remained teachable and correctable, which is teachable. You always grow and correctable. You get back yeah. on track. Um, I learned to be a servant because Jesus, it says that though he was God in the flesh, did not consider equality with God, something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant. So he had this attitude of a servant, the son of God. So I was like, I want to be a servant. And I remember wow. looking up this word and looking it up in the Bible dictionaries. And, and I thought, uh, no, this, that's, that's not what I want to be a servant, you know? Right. But, uh, but I realized a servant serves at the, some things I learned, a servant serves at the discretion of another. Uh, a servant considers others more important than themselves. You know, in, in the things like, Man, and a servant has no rights, no entitlement mentality, which was a big thing for me because even in prison, I found myself feeling entitled. I felt like, hey, I'm a Christian. I deserve this. And the Lord's like, you're a servant. You don't have no rights. So uh, the Lord took me to the woodshed, as you might say, uh, a couple of <laughs> times. <laughs> you know? And uh, so I was like, you know, I, I remember these guys were, I, my buddy Richard laughs all the time when I tell him the story. Uh, I was laying in bed reading my Bible, and uh, out on the range, the tier, these guys were playing football. 
with a roll of toilet paper. And they, it was early Saturday morning, and they were just having a blast. And I, I was getting aggravated because they're making a lot of noise. They're in front of my cell, and they're screaming and yelling. They're having fun. And I was, like, getting miserable and mad. And I, I find, and I, as I was welling up, I, and I feel the Lord say, Gene, keep your mouth shut. You, you know, you have no rights. And I said, hey, God, I said something. Hey, guys, I said, hold the noise. I, yeah, I was like, you know, like right. dad walked out. And they cussed right. me out and they said, Gene, go back to your cell. You know, <laughs> mind your own business. Go back. You know, they cussed me out. And I go back and shut the door. And the Lord says, I told you. <laughs> <laughs> I told you to keep keep it shut. <laughs> I just, you know, so I learned, I learned to be a servant. And I knew if you serve people, they'll listen to you. Yeah. So whether you're an officer, uh, we'd pray with officers. We would lead the officers oh, no. to the Lord. And one at time we prayed with this one officer and he said, Gene, I'll pray with you, but I have to keep my eyes open because of security. Um, you know, I'm the yeah. security. I, so I say, Hey, you know, keep your eyes open. I'll keep my eyes open too. Let's just pray. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, so, um, you know, serving was a way of life. And that's what I would try to encourage the other guys that I was walking with. Let's just serve people. Um, and they'll, and let, let God add to the kingdom, you know, and uh, so when I had 24 years, I know got fast track. There was a whole lot of years that go by, and and I, yeah. there, was no, there was no there was no formula for me that I waited. Right. I, I think I I just kind of waited to add more things to my resume. Yeah, accomplishments. I was speaking to high school kids. They would bring high school kids into the prison, and I they speak would. They would bring them in. Yeah, and uh, wow. they say, Gene, we want you to come and talk to these kids about, you know the prison life and da, da, da. And I said, can I share my faith? He said, yeah, but you can't preach. I said, well, there's only reason I'm standing here in my right mind is because of my faith in God's word. Right. So I wasn't, a pre I wasn't a preaching guy or anything, but I would let him know that the Lord changed my life. And, uh, um, you know, I would teach uh, classes on HIV prevention and hepatitis prevention and all the things that were, you know, going on in a prison. You know, we would teach wow. law buck literacy and, I was just very active um, in the prison, well, very man, active in the church. Was that like a scared straight kind of they, thing? No, yeah, no, what I was doing, because that, that scared straight was a failure. It really was. Yeah. It never, you know, fear doesn't change any heart. But um, this was more, uh, they would they would close the visiting room down on like on Wednesday and they would bring the students in for, an hour and they'd fill up right. like about 100 150 students would be in the visiting room area and you'd come out and, and you get to talk to them you know the officers would talk the warden would talk and then they would introduce me and just just a conversation you know and wow. uh but you know there was one one kid he was acting up the whole time and i pulled him i was like i walked right over to him i said you think this is a joke and i got i didn't get loud but i got real serious i got pretty close to him and he got he simmered down a little bit and everybody's eyes were like, you know, but, uh, wow. so I was very much involved in my community. Um, I, you know, the lifers association has an organization, it's a nonprofit and we do try to do things to better our community and try to raise funds for women's resource and big brothers, big sisters. We do runathons, and I, you know, it's the, the life, uh, I like to be able to write a book just on the life of the prison and what really goes on because people don't really know. Um, so 
24, I filed again. I got turned down. And uh, when I had um, 30 years, I filed again. Two and a half years later, I was turned down my fifth the time. And I remember I, I was really excited about a, a positive response. And of course, it came back, no. And I said, is there anything I can do? They said, just maintain a good record. We'll see you in a couple of years. And I was leaving, I was leaving the office and I was going back to my cell. The Lord said, I want you to get on your knees and thank me. And so I do. And when I, I was broke, I mean, I was crying. I had to pillow my face and I was just, cause I had my sister, my sister, Mary was, you know, she very supportive of her family, niece and nephew, brother-in-law, Joe and uh, Larry had introduced me to dozens i mean literally dozens and dozens of people as friends and so i had a lot of support from my hometown friends high school friend and i was like who do i tell first you know that i got denied and the lord said thank me so i opened my mouth i said thank you for denying me and this is what i felt in my heart just like these words formed in my mind i'm going to release you but not based on your effort not on what you've done or what you've accomplished and and who you know and I mean, I had a lot of support, I had no opposition. And so I was like, okay, Lord, what do I do now? And I stood up and uh, the Lord said, go back to serving. So when I go back to serving two months later, I get a, uh, get mail call, but it's legal mail. And I never had, I never went back to court. So I had no rights to the court. You, you never appeal, you lose your rights. But this, um, this letter was from a, an attorney, Bradley Bridge, from Philadelphia, and he was responding to a new Supreme Court ruling, Graham versus Florida, that said that juveniles who did not kill, did not intend to kill, um, or no, should not be subject to life without parole, and they should be given a sentence that is parole eligible. It doesn't mean you're going to get out. It just means you should be given a chance as a juvenile. And it was all about MRIs and the brain development on how juveniles, you know, when you ask your juvenile son and daughter, what were they thinking? They're like, I don't know. Well, it's true. You don't think consequently. So I, I filed it and it was granted. Uh, my attorney or my judge granted a hearing and it started a process which took 20 months uh, in order to get back to April 3rd, a fast track, April 3rd of 2012. Um, brought back into the same courtroom, sitting at the same table, um, different judge, different attorney, different lawyer, all the people. But I uh, shackled orange jumpsuit and chained and and the judge had vacated my life sentence, said it was illegal. But along the way, they discovered my original attorney had lied to me, pled oh me to a legal plea agreement, and I had an unconstitutional <laughs> sentence. So that was along the way, you know, but nothing was promised of my release, even to the day I walked into the courtroom and, and I, I knew that they threw out the life sentence. So I was subject to um, a sentence and I didn't know what they could give me. They can give me 40 years. They can give me 50 years. And they, I remember standing up and I apologized. I thanked everybody. And I sat down the judge said, I heard enough. And and he said, the defendant, G. McGuire, having served 34 years, nine months, 15 days, has served his maximum sentence and is released effective this date. What? I was, yeah, I, I mean, I was shackled. I was like crying in my, what? You know, unbelievable. And and everybody just like, <clears throat> applauded, just er, erupted <clears throat> in 
shouts and play, praise and hallelujahs and clapping. And I looked up and I was thanking the judge. He walked off the bench and the sonographer, gee, they never closed the court. So they walked off and the sonographer picks up her machine and off she goes. And I was just like crying. And, and I can hear the sheriff on the side um, telling my sister, hold on, hold on. And she goes, no, I waited long enough. So as, as, as my sister was trying to get to me, it got real quiet in the courtroom. Like it seemed like just for a second and someone yelled, release him from his chains. He's a free man. And <laughs> I, the sheriff's come over there and shackle me and my sister's crying, hugging me. We're, we're smiling, looking yeah. at each other. It was so emotional. And, and uh, so they, they gave me some clothes and they said, uh, my, my family member, somebody brought some clothes and they said, Gene, go change. So, and, and he said, Mary, take your brother home. <laughs> I was like, you know, I, I felt like I was tripping, you know, like this for real. I wasn't doing drugs, you know, but it was just, un <laughs> it was so unbelievable that, that I heard those words, Mary, take your brother Dude. home. I mean, I, I just. So wait, wait, well, hold, but you uh, had, a, a, I mean, I'm sure it was easy to walk away from. But you had a life and stuff back at the joint, right? Like you yeah, had I did. So I packed stuff. everything up. I packed everything up. You know, I had a keyboard. I I, I was playing music, worship, and and I had, key, I had television and typewriter and sneakers and clothes. You know, the, the some yeah. of the luxuries. So I, you take it and you put it in the property. And I told the property officer, I said, "Look, if I don't come back by any chance, I was thinking I was going to come back." And have to do a couple of years and then parole and da, da 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 you know. Yeah. So I said, if they don't, can I give this this to these individuals? And so he said, write their names and number and put a sticky on your piano or your keyboard. Yeah. Had a nice Yamaha and and you know and sneakers, or whatever, and just and we'll see that. So that's what all that stuff. Um, I just left at the prison and they dispersed that as. So I literally walked out with um, nothing. So you photo albums. I walked out with my photo albums and my Bible, which I still have the I still have I still have the Bible that I, I was I had in prison. So wow, dude, is, that is unbelievable. Yeah, this is the Bible I had and, and I still so wow. So uh, oh my gosh, so many <laughs> things. So so you you literally just leave the court a free man that day, like you just yes. leave. Yeah, we your sister takes you where to like we went to a uh we went to a restaurant, a country club club restaurant or something, and we all gathered and we all we ate and uh, and uh about 20 people went with us. Everybody else said, Hey, we'll catch up, enjoy your family. So um but you know, the plan, the plan the year a year before the plan was that I was gonna come to Dallas, Texas. Larry Titus had moved to Dallas, Texas, about six years prior my release. And we always kept in touch. And, and, uh, he said, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to come down to Dallas work for you, uh, at the ministry. I said, I want to meet a cheerleader and get married on the 50 yard line. He said, well, I can help you with a job. <laughs> <laughs> a Dallas cowboy cheerleader. <laughs> yeah. So I was, I was, I've always been, I've always been a cowboy fan, you know? And, oh, and uh, so, he said, well, we can help, you know, we can help you with uh, the job and a home plan. So I came yeah. down and, uh, about three weeks later, I, I came down and I kind of pried my sister's fingers off my wrist 
And uh, my buddy Rob Meyer, he was he was like, Mary, Gene is free. He can come and go at, at whatever he wants to do. He can come and go. He'll be back. But I knew my future was here in Dallas. I just felt like um, the Lord was setting me up down here. And, you know, we go back to the babes. And I realized before, while I was still incarcerated, Paul Vineyard was looking for chaplains for his company. Who's Paul Vineyard? He's the owner of Babe's Chicken Dinner. Oh, okay. Yeah. And 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 real quick, because I just need to do the math. So you served 34 years, years nine, months, nine months, 15, 15 days. days. So almost 35 years. So 35 and 18 is... I can't do math. That it's fifty. You were fifty-two, fifty-three. I was fifty-two when I got out. Wow! How long ago? Uh, Eleven and a half years now. Two thousand twelve. Oh I I was released in two thousand twelve. So how how long between your release that magical day, um, in in court, and and when you moved to Dallas? Uh, about eh, about. Three weeks, maybe a little oh. bit, three weeks or so. Yeah, oh, so I, you just—I'm well, getting out of Dodge. I'm out of here. <laughs> well, yeah, I—I I mean, I don't know. It's just it was—it just seemed the right thing to do. Yeah, and uh, yeah. So I was more than welcome. They kept saying the court said you're more than welcome. You're this is your house. This is your home. This is your community. You're welcome. And I was more than welcome. And I've been back numerous times speaking yeah. up at the high school and community events and churches. Um, I feel like, uh, yeah, Tunkhannock, where I went to school, the town called Tunkhannock, Pennsylvania, very gracious, very loving people. And, and, uh, so wow. I came here and started life, started life down here. What about your cousin? He's still incarcerated. Okay. Uh, he's kind of been a bad character throughout his, um, years. Have and, you witnessed, uh, witnessed to him? And so interesting, uh, six months before my release, I was going back to court and I happened to be transferred to his institution, which is, he was close to our, where I would grew up. I was three hours away from my family. So while I was there, uh, we kind of sent messages and say, Hey, I'm here for a brief period of time to go to court and uh, just, you know, so he pursued the administration to, for us to meet. And they asked me, would you, and I said, yeah. So they, they put him in a, they put me in a, like a cage and they put him in a cage next to me. And uh, he apologized. He said, I'm sorry for ruining your life. And I said, you didn't ruin my life because I didn't waste it. I said, I accepted the Lord and, and, you know, wow. and he says, I've, I've said, I've heard, I've heard about you, you know, I've followed, I've written letters on your, I've written letters on your behalf and I just feel bad that I, that I hurt you. And, um, so hold it. You say uh, that again. You said you didn't ruin my life because I didn't waste it. Yeah. I gave my Dude, life to the Lord. That, that is, uh, uh yeah. So powerful. That one statement is so powerful. Yeah. So we were able to get some closure there in a sense. And so um, they let us out this, these caves are about the size of a phone booth. Right. And uh, oh my gosh, there was security all around, you know, because it's never happened before that, uh, you know, two, two lifers. Well, 
um i was i was it was pending for me but they it just never happened and so uh we gave each other a, a hug he said i love you i said i love you and he kissed me on my cheek and and off we he went his way and i went mine and, and uh, um six months six months later five months later i was released hold up uh, just just so people can uh, this uh, i can't even yeah. like I, I honestly um hold up your book if you would please i want everybody to see this unshackled from ruin to redemption yeah there you go that is that is so that oh my gosh right every it's on amazon right it's on Amazon. The paperback is on Amazon. The the hardback is uh, ex kind of exclusive through my website, GeneMcGuire.org. And hold on, I'm um, gonna put that up. I'm gonna put that up on the screen. GeneMcGuire.org. Yeah. And if you're in a Dallas Fort Worth area, as you know, you can find the book at uh, any of the Babes um, locations. Yeah, I want to sign copy now, Gene. I, I, I'm changing my tune. I, <laughs> I'm not Might buying be. a book on Amazon. I want to sign copy. Yeah. Okay. This, this, this is this is on this is the most amazing story, man. Oh my gosh! And it's not a, it's not even, it's real. It actually happened. Like this is a real life thing. Yeah. Like this is unbelievable. It's amazing. I, I, I honestly, I, I'm not trying to be fake about it, but you know, it's, it's my life, you know, you live it. And then when you start telling it to people and you, you see the impact uh, it's, it's made me know the Lord that much more and trust the Lord that much more because you, you, you talk about all the things that he's done for you and, and the people that are involved and the people are involved in my life because of the Lord, you know? So it's just, it's just unbelievable. So what, um, what, let me ask you this, because this, you know, uh, a lot of entrepreneurs watch this show and listen to the show on the podcast network. Um, what I truly believe that, um, success and money are relatives because <laughs> really, really I've been homeless and I've been wealthy and, and, and broken homeless just is awful. It's absolutely yeah. awful. Um, so what do you think holds people back in life from having it all success, freedom, joy, happiness, everything. I suspect, I know what you're going to say, but I could be wrong. Um, so, so tell me, what do you think stops people in life from having it all? Oh my goodness. I, it, it may vary. I, I think, um, lack of confidence, uh, for me, my confidence skyrocketed when I got to meet the Lord and I began a relationship with the Lord in prison. And I can just tell you this, I was very outgoing i'd write letters i would try to meet people because i knew society was the right thing to do you know to be is it was right to be in society not prison but it was where i was at so uh so i would always reach out and i remember meeting this pastor and his elder 
probably the first time in a visiting room, wrote some letters and, hey, you know, we'll come see you. Okay. So we're sitting there and I made a comment and I said, you know, probably half hour in, I said, I'm successful. And I remember the, the guy looked at me like, wait, wait, what, what, did you say you're successful? And I said, right. yeah. And, and they how can you be, you're a life sentence inmate, you're in prison. How can right. you be successful? I said, because I know the Lord. And in Jeremiah chapter nine, it says that these things he delights in that he, that you know him and that he is the God of loving kindness. And um, he doesn't put weight on the value of money or power and influence. He puts the weight on, do you know him? And that for me was the foundation uh, in Jeremiah 29 and Jeremiah nine. So I, I remember like shaking. I was like, that's for real though. And I knew that my confidence and my purpose in life was directly tied to the Lord and what he wanted to do in my life and how he wanted to do it. And uh, so I, you know, I, you know, like you, we want anybody to know the Lord and have a relationship and, and to know him and um, his power. And it's not always, but I think having confidence in whatever you put your hand to do it, um, just yeah. go for it. But, you know, knowing the Lord is absolutely a must. Wow, man. Um, I, I'm a little bit speechless here. I I'm, I'm blown away by your story. It's, it's, mm. it's, it's incredible. And I hope that everybody on planet earth gets to hear your message. I, the, you, um, what you just said a little bit ago, I don't even know if you realize how powerful the statement is. You didn't ruin my life because I didn't waste it. Mm. You could have been pissed off yeah. and you could have been resentful. You could have been, you could have wanted to punch him through the cage. You sure. could have, all the things. Yeah. Like, Snap back know. or say some ugly stuff. And you didn't. You you took the the highest road of all high roads like that's mm. just unbelievable. Mm. I, I I knew yeah I I knew God's forgiveness in my life and you know who am I not to forgive others because my sin against God my offense my transgression against God if you think about it is far greater than any against me so that was the foundation of my life early on that you know forgiveness is such a powerful powerful tool that God has given us. He's, he's, he's taught us how to do it. Jesus taught us from the cross. And so, um, it's not easy. It's not always easy. Um, it could be difficult, but it's, it's possible. And, uh, it's doable. Uh, I, re I remember my first sponsor in AA said to me, he said, <laughs> he said, you know, who, who's the, the, who's the person that hurt you the most in, in life? And I told him, and he's like, okay, you have to pray for him. I said, you're out of your flipping mind, dude. I'll pray for him to burst into flames. What the hell's wrong with you? No, I'm not praying for him. He goes, yeah. well, then you're, you're going to drink again. You'll probably die. Sure. I go, okay, well, let me think about it. I'll get back to you. And I remember praying for him the first night uh -huh. and it was a, you know, God bless blah, boom, done. I'm not going into detail. Just do your thing. And, and I remember, I remember like 30 days later, man, I'm praying for this person. 
And for the first time in my life, I meant it. I felt it. I felt this. Right. And you yes. know what I'm talking yes. about. You yes. feel this Freedom. release. It's like, oh my gosh, it's gone. What? How's that? It? So I believe it, man. Like you, what everything you're talking about, you know, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking about the most, one of the most powerful statements out of 550 ish interviews I've done. One of the most powerful statements ever is this, what my wife put up here. You didn't ruin my life. Because I didn't waste it. That is you owning everything and taking your, when you tell Mm. anybody you ruined my life, you literally are giving them your power. You're giving it away. Great. When God said, no, hold on a minute. I gave you something. It's you get to use it. Mm. Dude, you're, you're unbelievable. I I'm. Thank you for being (laughs) like, holy mackerel, man. I I, I got Thank you. This is amazing. You're welcome. You're welcome. And your book I, I just love, made it to the top of my reading list. I love I love hanging out with you here and and uh, babes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What a divine What a divine appointment that night when we met. I mean, I who, uh, who would have known? Who would have known? Who would have known? And I'm I'm a I'm a babes lifer. So, <laughs> like, you'll see me there again. My wife. My wife put up a great comment there. Would have been so easy for you to be angry and bitter, especially because you literally had no role in the crime committed. Instead, you chose to follow Jesus and have faith in God. You are a great teacher. Thank you. Powerful. Thank you, Jill. Powerful, powerful, powerful. All right, Gene, um, I want to talk to you all day, but I don't think that either of our schedules will allow for that. But um, listen, man, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story, your your testimony. And um, the best way for anybody to get in touch with you would be what? Through your website, GeneMcGuire.org? Yes, Um email me at gene4192 at gmail. So, Wow. He just put it out there for the whole world. Gene4192. That was my institutional number at gmail. No way. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's funny. Someone asked me, he said, is there any significance to that 4192? And I said, yeah, I was the 4,192nd inmate committed at that prison in 1978, he said, I knew something was up with that. Oh my gosh. Anyway, so it's like everything is redeemable, but the devil. So, uh, you know, uh, unbelievable. Just order. You have two books. I have two. Um, yeah. Wait a minute. So Hold the other one up. This one came out, uh, two years ago. Hold on. Let me, let me almost two years ago. Oh, it, it talks about everything since my release. That's the second second yeah. book. Yeah. Dude. Wow. Yeah. Right. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Patricia Geigich, who's by the way, she that's somebody you need to know. She's a very very her artwork hangs in the Vatican. What? And and at the Louvre, like she is a world famous artist. And in fact, she's in the top 10 artists of all time or something like that in the world. And she's a dear, dear friend of mine. Thank you, Patricia. Thank you. 
she's for amazing. ordering my book. Thank you. Yeah. Um, we're going to get her to come down and meet you in person. Um, the, the, dude, like, okay. Anybody watching, here's some incentive to go to babes. He's at babes all the time. He's at babes. He works there. He's the chaplain. He'll come around and pray for you and with you. And like, like, yeah. like you got to come to Dallas though. If you want to want to meet. Jeeves. Just, hey, just get on, just get on a plane and come to Dallas. That's right. That's right. Every, I mean, there's a direct flight to Dallas from almost anywhere. So. Yeah. Yeah. Gene, I, I, again, I could talk to you all day. Um, man, thank fun. you. God real. bless you for what you're doing. And, and wow. Thank you, Ken. Uh, it just blows yeah. me away, be man. Part of, be part of your fellowship here at Breakthrough Walls. It's unbelievable. Thank you. Everybody watching, um, <clears throat> if you did not share this out, I uh, I believe there's still time for you to redeem yourself and you can share this out. <laughs> don't waste don't waste this moment. <laughs> <laughs> no, right. <laughs> preach, come on Gene, preach, <laughs> preach. So listen, everybody please please share this out. The world needs to hear this story, so please share. And even if you shared it already, share it again. Yeah. Gene, stay with me. I'm going to end the live stream, but I am so, so grateful for you coming on. And, and I really appreciate you, man. Like I, yeah. I, 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 I love you, man. I feel it. Like I, I mean that. Yeah. So, I, yeah. Wow. Yeah. God gave me a friend in you for life. So definitely, man. Definitely. All right. Well, thank you. And we'll see all of you later. Have an awesome day. Gene, don't go away. I'll be right back. I'll be here.